Into the wild I'll go and into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Into the wild I'll go Into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. It's been a wild freedom Today, Radical Birth Keeper School graduate Jess Owens from Canada joins me on the show sharing her two birth stories. Jess started her mothering journey with a seemingly acceptable midwife-attended home birth in England, and although there were things that left a bad taste in her mouth, Jess felt lucky to birth at home without complications. After a few international moves and learning more about physiological birth, she and her family moved to Canada, and Jess began attending births outside of the system. Jess became pregnant again and enrolled in the RBK school, all while building community and a flourishing birth-keeping business, entirely by word of mouth. She goes on to birth her son in total power, as did so many other women from her cohort. Jess offers a beautiful story of trust and the incredible ripple effect that taking birth back into the hands of women creates. Here at Free Birth Society, we are always seeking new ways to share the magic of free birth with more women who deserve to know these truths. And you may have heard about an exciting project we've had in the works for a while now, our Free Birth YouTube channel. It is so close to being complete, we only need a few more videos before we go live. So if you have a free birth video that you'd like to share for the education of women and families around the world, please submit your story to us. I'm also excited to share that I will be conducting the first-of-its-kind free birth research study to produce some real hard numbers around the true nature of sovereign birth, and I'm looking for a professional researcher to consult with on this project. If that is you, please reach out. I'm going to need all the help I can get. One last thing. If you haven't grabbed our free birth starter kit yet, what are you even doing? If you're listening to this podcast, the free birth starter kit is for you. It's totally free and it includes over three hours of direct teachings from me on all the basics of free birth. What is it? Why do women do it? Is it safe? The big what ifs, placenta and cord care, and of course, so much more. You'll also get a huge ebook that we made full of inspiring sovereign birth stories written in the words of the mothers themselves, and a guide to our top podcast episodes for preparing yourself for free birth. This is an invaluable resource to any woman, and thousands of women have already claimed it. Again, it's totally free, so just head over to freebirthsociety.com slash starter kit opt-in to grab it. Okay, let's get into Jess's story. Welcome to the show, Jess. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you because obviously you were in a previous round of RBK, but I didn't get to like really hear your whole story and you were pregnant during that round. And so this is really fun to reconnect after your free birth. So I first have to ask, you're from New Brunswick, Canada, but are you connected to Yo at all? Like that's such a small area. Right. So it's actually kind of funny. I'm not originally from here. So we moved here um, about three years ago and we moved here about a month after Yo left. (laughs) No. I know. I was so disappointed. And I actually randomly found her through some like Rona stuff. I hadn't even heard of her at this point three years ago. And I found her and she was just telling the story of how she left New Brunswick. And I'm like, 
he left. And then I put the pieces together that she was involved with birth. And then, um, yeah, so really funny, but also sad. I know so many of so many people that know Yo and worked with Yo. Um, because Brunswick is a really small place. So and so you're both a free birther now, and also you do birth work outside the system. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah. I want to hear it all. Who are you when you start doing that? Are you a birth worker first and then become a mom? Or just what is what is the story of Jess getting into all of this? Okay. Yeah, I I was a mother first before I got into birth work. That's what kind of um, opened the door to that for me, for sure. Um, so I guess, yeah, I mean, before I was a mother, <laughs> I was... Um, I was a, a traveling, very transient person. So for my husband, uh, my husband's work, he um, we moved around a lot. So we lived in Europe for a while. Uh, we lived in the States before that. Um, and we were just moving around quite frequently. And then that kind of just became a huge part of our life was not only moving around, but also traveling. Um, so we would travel for fun and also for, for his work as well. And uh, we were just loving life as a young um, married couple. And there was a a time period where we weren't even sure if kids were going to be on the table. And I think deep down for me, it was like they were, (laughs) they were going to be a part of our future. But at that time, we were just enjoying being so free. Um, And then, um, yeah, we'll, we'll skip ahead, I guess, to around 2018. Um, my husband and I had went down to Peru and, um, maybe you're already going to guess where this is going, but um, (laughs) let me guess what you did. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So he had gone a few years earlier to do ayahuasca alone and he did a solo trip there. And then, um, in 2018, we went, we went together for a week long retreat in Iquitos and um my first ceremony night so our first night at the retreat um was like a was like a blast off right um it was crazy it was intense so many things but one of the big things that happened for me during that ceremony was i just like looked down at my womb i was very like folded over like my body was like folded over most of the journey and i just looked towards my womb and I, it was just like vibrating and mm-hmm. like glowing. And, um, I'm sure this is a common thing for a lot of women, but I had always had this thought in my head, like, what if I can't, what if I can't have kids? You know, um, I think society kind of like puts that into our head a little bit, like that we're broken and like, it's, it's going to be hard. Um, you think? <laughs> yeah. I do think so. Where do you get that from? Yeah. Um, So that was definitely a narrative that ran through my mind throughout my life, really. Um, Just this like glimmer of like, oh, what if, Mm -hmm. what if, you know? And so in that moment, I looked down at my womb, it was glowing, vibrating. And the message I got was, girl, you're good. You're so good. Like you are the epitome of fertility. Like you turn this on and you're going to get a baby. I was like, okay, message received. Um, so after that trip, um, well, actually after the retreat, we were still in Peru for a bit. I was talking to my husband about that and I was like, I think I'm like, I'm feeling mm-hmm. tall, like I'm ready, I'm ready. And he's like, I'm not, I'm not. And I'm like, oh, but I am. <laughs> and at this point, he was kind of um transitioning out of his career so he played hockey for many many years and that's why we were traveling around and um he was kind of starting to transition out or thinking about his transition out and he was of the mindset well like let's just wait a little bit um and I know him (laughs) and I'm like there's never gonna be a good time like you're never going to to say okay I'm ready because like the transition out of hockey and that transition has happened now. So now we know uh, that's quite the transition and it's not a quick one, right? So it takes time as well. So anyway, after some some talking and really getting into it about, you know, my true feelings, like I'm really ready. And I think 
I think I feel this call for a reason, you know? Um, so he agreed and, um, I got pregnant like a week after we got back from Peru. (laughs) Um, so that was spring of 2018. It was like first try. Hmm. And so that was a bit of a surprise for us, for sure. sure. Um, even though I had that experience of like, you're good, it was still happening quite quickly, right? So that was a bit of a surprise, um, but it was great. Um, we were living in, so we spent off seasons from hockey in Toronto, Canada. And uh, so we were there at the time, we spent summer there and he was gonna be going to uh, a new place. Uh, he signed, uh, he was checking out a few different countries, few different teams. Um, one of them, I think this is relevant to say, was uh, the Czech Republic. And uh, so, of course, when we get word of this, like, oh, they're interested, like, you know, maybe we'll talk contract, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, I'm going to, like, check out the climate there of birth. You know, I'm pregnant. This is a foreign country. Um, C-section rate there is, like, through the roof, like, very, 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 very high. Birth centers are not a thing. Um, Home birth is not a thing. Um, And I was just like, oh, this sounds no good. Um, so we, for other reasons too, but we were like, no, for, for there. And anyway, he ended up signing contract in England. So, so were you, are, sounds like you were already oriented towards like somewhat of an alternative birth, but how, how alternative, like how, what did you know, if anything at this point? So I, I would say that, um, in my life or like in my adult life, I had really avoided doctors and um, chose, you know, more of like natural remedies. Like if I could do something at home first, I would, I really tried to avoid doctors at all costs. Um, Just didn't, I didn't have like anyone experience that, you know, made that. So it was just, it was just an intuition thing, I guess. And um, yeah, so that was already kind of my, my, uh, my viewpoint. And, but honestly, I hadn't really had too many people close to me who had chose, um, home birth, uh, at all. Um, and I wasn't even sure at that point if I wanted a home birth because we didn't have a home. (laughs) We Mm. didn't know where we were going. Um, I had a friend who had birthed in a birth center who had a good experience. So that was definitely on the table for wherever we were going to go. Um, yeah, I would say I, hospital was like it it didn't seem like the place for me for sure so you guys Uh, choose England yeah we choose England and we leave um to go to England in early August so I'm about 16 weeks pregnant at that point and as soon as I get there um so there's a team doctor so they know I'm pregnant. Uh, so the team doctor doctor sets me up with a midwife because in England, uh, that's like the default is a midwife. Um, if you have like a high risk pregnancy, or I guess if you choose to, you could go uh, with an OB, but generally speaking, um, default is midwife. Um, but then you do have your choice of where, where you want to give birth, um, whether it be in the hospital, um, they had the city that we were in, they had what was called, this is so silly, a midwife led unit. And it's just a wing of the hospital. Like it's nothing. Mm. And they call it, that's like their version of like a birth center, but it was attached to the hospital. So it's like not anything like that. Um, or you could give birth at home. And since we were in this home, this apartment, this house, um, it didn't feel like ours. It was, you know, furniture that wasn't ours um which we're very used to having you know having been in this lifestyle for a while but this year was a bit different right and I wanted eventually probably to nest a bit we were going to be there for a few months after the baby was born before we went back to Canada um but still it just didn't feel like home and I think that was my reasoning for because I did make a, a decision kind of I was like okay I guess I choose the midwife led unit question yeah or statement that is less like home though 
I know. Tr- like oh, where, I, where I, yeah. you sleep at yeah. night is way more. It is your literal home, yeah. even for a short time. Yeah. And a birth center, fake birth center, whatever, inarguably is way less familiar. So what was the real reason? Yeah, good question. Um, I think my husband had some reservations about me giving birth at home, not for this safety factor, not because he had fear. He's not a fearful person at all. Um, He's very supportive, but he was like, so we lived in an apartment complex and literally like the person above me was a teammate of his. Um, And he's like, what if you're loud? What if it's this? And I'm like, I don't think that's an issue. Like, I really don't. And he was like, hesitant he was very hesitant he wasn't like no we're not doing that or like I don't think we should do that he was just hesitant so there that came into play too and when I was around six months pregnant I had a talk with him I'm like hey I don't like the midwife led unit it's Hmm. ugly it's not like the pictures because you couldn't see it I wasn't allowed to like go see it yeah I wasn't allowed to go see it um red flag (laughs) yeah all, all the pictures online of it looked sterile. It looked like a hospital room with like um, an exercise ball and like. You mean it looked like exactly what it was? <laughs> yeah, it was horrible. It was horrible. And I was like, I can't, can't do it. So we decided, okay, home birth. But that was pretty late. My pregnancy mm-hmm. like around six months. So I jumped ahead of it, but I get this midwife. I get assigned a midwife who is on um, sick leave. So I get assigned her, but I don't have her. I don't see her. I'm like, why is that? That makes no sense. Why would I be assigned someone who's not currently working right now? So I end up seeing multiple midwives, someone different, every appointment. And it's just like, there's no like personal connection at all. Throughout those appointments, I'm just a a name on a piece of paper. They're just looking down, like barely giving me eye contact. Um, It was not the prenatal care that I had hoped for at all. It was, um, yeah, I didn't enjoy my appointments. My appointments were at a um, general practice family doctor's office. I'm sitting in a room with a bunch of sick people. You know, I'm like glowing, thriving, feeling great. And I'm surrounded by sick people and having to go see this midwife who doesn't care about me. Mm -hmm. So that was not fun. (laughs) That was not fun at all. Um, So for some, like I wanted a little bit of continuity. Um, I also wanted someone who was more familiar with the system than I was. So I hired a doula and uh, she was great. She was really great. Um, you know, answer. She had attended more home than hospital at that point. Um, she was lovely. She was very, um, but she was a doula still in the system. Right. So, um, she answered questions that we had and, um, yeah, I'm really glad that, that we had her. And, um, I, yeah, I wanted a water birth. So we had, uh, rented the pool from them and, um, Oh, I I will say this. So around like 30, around the time I decided to have a home birth, one of the midwives um, had kind of made a comment like, oh, like, that's great. Like, I could just tell she was, um, she had no faith in me. Mm. Like, as the story goes, uh, first time moms who choose a home birth, they're just going to transfer. Like, Mm -hmm. they're not going to, it's not going to work. But like, that's great. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's how I, that's the vibe I got throughout the, my visits with the the midwives. Um, I ended up having, I measured small twice. So they ended up saying that I needed an additional ultrasound, uh, which at the time I didn't know anything about ultrasounds and the harms of ultrasounds. Um, but even in that, I was like, really, do I have to, like, I, I feel fine. Like, I think everything's okay. 
better safe to be so better safe than sorry. Mm-hmm. Just like a very condescending, like be a good girl, like just go do it. So I did. Um, and actually my anatomy scan, um, they had trouble seeing something on the head, uh, with her head, um, my daughter's head. So they scheduled an additional, I had like, I think four or five ultrasounds, which now I just cringe at that. Um, yeah, so that was basically my pregnancy and yeah, take us into the into the birth. Yeah. So I was about 39. I was almost 40 weeks. I was like 39 in some days. And um, for that whole week leading up to the birth, I, in the evenings, I would feel some sensations and um, they would last for the evening and then they would go away. And it happened like three or four nights that way. And they were just very mild, almost just like a tightening. And so I knew that we were building up to something. And then it came to a Friday. And I woke up that morning kind of just feeling like something was different, Um, even though I wasn't having sensations that morning. um, They did start in the afternoon. But again, very mild, just some some light tightening. And, um, I was going about my day, just running a few errands, um, getting some last minute things for the birth. Um, and then around 5 PM, I came home and I thought, you know what, I've been kind of running around all day. Why don't I just like sit down on the couch and see if the stillness brings anything up. So sure enough, um, I sat down on the couch and just relaxed for a bit and things started to pick up a little bit and just become a little bit more consistent. Um, I was definitely more aware of uh, the feeling of uh, the contractions in in my uterus. And um, then that evening, my husband and I were just like getting kind of excited, you know, we were hanging out on the couch and um, I was on the birth ball and things were like picking up for sure. And I could feel the... um, almost like the crescendo of the birth, the contraction, like where it starts, it builds, and then it loses momentum and then fades again. And then um, around 10 o'clock, we decided that we would go to bed because I thought, oh, we should get some sleep. And um, as soon as I like laid down in bed, I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to sleep. So I got up and uh just did like I lit a candle in the bedroom just did like some hip circles and like um I was on my knees kind of over the bed and at this point I was like breathing through them and um could not could not lay down could not sit still and my husband kind of noticed and he's like would you want to get in the bathtub um so I decided yeah that's a great idea so I got in the bathtub and I wasn't in there for very long maybe like 20 minutes or so and I didn't want to be alone so I called for him he came in there and sat with me and things seemed to like pick up quite quickly and my sensations were like only a few minutes apart at that point so this is probably about oh I don't know maybe like close to midnight and we decided to call my doula just to let her know what was happening and um she asked if I wanted her to come and uh, I said, yeah, I want you to come. I think you should come. So she came. She didn't live too far. So she was there within a half an hour. And something I'll never forget about this is, so I'm in the dark in the bathroom. There's a candle and she comes in and she doesn't say a word. Like I'm clearly in it. She just sits down next to the tub And just her presence being there was so comforting. And um, yeah, I'll never forget how she entered my space. It was just so respectful. And um, I was really glad to have a a feminine energy there and someone that I had gotten to know over the course of my pregnancy. So I felt, you know, relatively comfortable with her. And then she sat with me for a few sensations and she made the comment, you know, I actually don't think it's too soon to call the midwives and I was like oh really like okay 
Um, so my husband called and, uh, they want to talk to me on the phone because they want to like hear how I sound, <laughs> whether it's like worth it for them to come and whatever. So I'm going through a sensation when they want to talk to me. So they're like hearing that I'm pretty vocal at that point, like definitely breathing through them heavily. And then I speak to them and they're like, yeah, okay, we'll come. So no idea who's coming, right? It's like the luck of the draw could be someone that I've seen those many midwives that I saw throughout my pregnancy, or it could be someone totally new. So you uh, call like a, like a hotline and they yeah. just catch somebody. Yes, exactly. That's a trip. Yeah. So the NHS, it's all, um, the NHS midwives, they're all, you know, connected, I guess. So it depends who's on call that night. Um, so turns out it's a complete stranger. Ah. Yeah. So she comes in and right away, can you get out of the tub so I can check you? Ew. Right away. Right away. And I was like, oh, like I did not want to get out. I was comfortable in there. I was doing well in there. Um, my deal was like, can you check her in here? Can you just check her in here? No, she has to come out. And it, that was like, okay (laughs) great good start and Uh the energy of this midwife I wasn't feeling her like she was yeah I don't know just wasn't feeling her and so we got out go into the living room I get on the couch to like lay down somehow which like I don't want to do at all Uh laying down just yeah felt horrible um so she checks me And she says that I'm three centimeters. And so that's like kind of surprising based on like my contractions, I guess, and just like how I was feeling. But again, it's my first time. I don't know. So that number means everything to me. (laughs) You know, that number means it means everything uh, at that point. Um, So I decide to just hang out in the living room at that point. I don't get back in the bathtub. And what's the vibe of the response? Like the midwives discovering that you're right. at three. Um, I don't really remember it being super pronounced. So maybe that means there wasn't much of a reaction. Um, I don't remember her being like disappointed or anything by that. Um, yeah. So um, but she did, she did make a point of saying, cause by this point, my husband had set up the pool. He hadn't put water in it yet, but he got everything ready to go. So she did make a comment to say, not yet with the pool, because we got to wait until you're five. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I was like, okay, what, but you've just made me get out of the bathtub where it was really comfortable. And now you're saying I can't get in the pool. Like, Okay. Um, someone, someone showed up to be in charge. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And, um, it's funny looking back, I'll just comment this, that the midwives were, they felt just like annoying. Like I wanted to like, like they were flies that I wanted Mm -hmm. to swat away and Mm -hmm. they just kept taking me out and taking me out and taking me out. Um, I mean, you basically just described medical midwifery. Yeah. Oh, totally. They're just annoying. Yeah. They don't leave you alone. On a good day, they're annoying. Right. On a bad day, they're a lot worse. Yes, that's true. Um, And I can talk more about that later because I have an opinion about the whole, you know, thing. But anyways, uh, so at that point, I'm like just trying to get comfortable. I'm in the living room. I do go on the bed for a bit, like propped up on pillows. I'm on my side. I'm standing up. I remember having a sensation while standing like holding on to my doula and it was really really intense and after looking to her as an authority for sure and saying oh that was really big do you think I should stand up for the next one so like more happens you know like it's more um, efficient and she's like good on her she's like you could or you could do something else like she didn't say anything, you know, to me. Um, so anyways, a, a lot of back and forth, a lot of different positions. And then she checks me again. And I am like, I think I'm five. 
And then she says, okay, you can get in the pool now. So <laughs> I get in the pool and it's such a relief. Like the, the hot water was just such a, made me relax, uh, made me feel really comfortable. So I stayed in there for quite some time, although I was kind of in and out often. And um, then, yeah, time's a bit blurry, but I, I go on laboring for quite some time. And then I do start to feel the urge to push. And um, I just kind of start pushing. And she's asking me, the midwife is asking me, um, are you doing that? Or do you feel like you, are you feel the urge to push? I didn't really understand the question. <laughs> I was kind of like, and then I had a sensation, so I wasn't able to answer her. And then my next break, I was like, no, no, like I'm not doing that. It's just like happening. Um, but what a weird question to ask. What a weird question. Can you imagine <laughs> asking a woman that? No. <laughs> Are, Are you doing, doing that? <laughs> so dumb. Yeah. So uh, it's just like, how many ways does she not trust you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because she did. She didn't know how uh, if I was at a ten at that of point. Of course, she hadn't had her fingers inside you recently. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, so she, she has no other skill set to figure out, or not not even figure out to to lean into where you may be, as if it even matters. That's the other like mm-hmm. just stupid part about this, you know, and about medical movement free. What's it matter? Mm-hmm. It only matters in the context of your arbitrary rules and regulations. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And that question, for sure, when she posed that question, I was like, oh, uh-oh. Like, right. It makes you heady. Yeah. So, but uh, there was no controlling it either. Like, I was so, it's this like, weird thing of, like, my body's doing it, but, like, should I ease up a bit or, like, mm-hmm. whatever. Um. So, I, I'm pushing. And my, I was pushing for probably like two and a half hours. And at that point, I think she was, or as time is progressing, she's probably, you know, looking at her watch and being like, Ooh, it's taking a while. Like what's going on? Um, she had checked me again. Um, and I was 10. Um, so yeah, I was just continuing to push. I was in and out of the pool. Um, I, at this point I had gotten out of the pool my doula was behind me kind of supporting me and I was and then I was I was trying to push too because I was like okay I just want this to be over um so I was also you know putting in some effort there too and um my waters hadn't released at this point so my uh you could see right before my daughter emerged, you could see like my, the bag of waters kind of like bulging. And then her head was behind it. Um, I didn't see it. My husband said, that's what it looked like. And um, the midwives. So by this time there was two midwives there. Cause they call an additional one when the baby's about to be born. And the second one, um, her energy was just a little softer and I appreciated her presence there. Um, so then they they made a comment like about breaking my waters because they thought maybe that was making it harder for for my daughter to come out. And um, I had a quick like, you know, I'm in the throes of it, but I'm asking um, my doula, like, what do you think? Like, and she's like, you've done everything up until this point yourself. Like, I think you can do it. And I'm like, yeah, I can do it. Like, I can do it. And then the next push, she was born and her bag first as she emerged um and she was kind of like I was on all fours so she kind of um landed on the floor and my arms were like jello from like leaning up against the chair for so long so I did ask for help I'm like help help and they helped me um the midwives helped me bring her to my chest and um so if that's an interesting point because if they hadn't have been there Right. I would have grabbed you her. Would have just picked and, up your baby, yeah, which is fine exactly. too, you know? Yeah. 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 Really so these like little, these little pieces. Mm-hmm, for sure. Or like she would have just hung out there for a, a quick second, you know, but there was right. like this sense of like, for sure, then they would have thought, grab your baby, like, da, da, da. Mm-hmm. but she could have hung out there for a quick second while I just, you know, snapped out of it and, and grabbed her onto my chest. But anyway, 
uh, she came onto my chest. Um, we knew she was a girl. Um, so we had chosen to, to find out her sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that moment was insane. Um, I just remember looking at her, looking at my husband and being like, it's you, it's me. Like it's her, it's you and me. And that was such a special moment. And just being able to see his reaction. Um, but then I also have this, like, cause you know, the memory just plays in your head. I have this memory of like people the are, like around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like get away. Um, so they were very close to me during that time. They definitely didn't back up and give space. My husband was the furthest probably away from me. He was, you know, giving me space and just watching and observing. Um, so that was interesting. And then, um, I wanted delayed cord clamping. That was part of my birth plan. Uh, so delayed cord clamping to them was about mm, like maybe three minutes. That sucks. Yeah. So uh, they cut her cord and um, then I just, you know, sat there with her just like looking at her. And then they were like, okay, you know, it's time for the placenta. I don't really know how long it was later. They did not give me Pitocin. Um, I stood up though. um, And that just made it easier for me. And it came right out. It was pretty easy. Well, that's why they didn't give you Pitocin. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. And then uh, they left within, I don't know, an hour and a half or something. And yeah, so for that birth, I really consider myself lucky, like super lucky, right? Because I fell within the parameters pretty much of what's acceptable for for them, for the midwives, for the system. And had I gone, you know, past 42 weeks or um, if my pushing, pushing stage was like longer than it was or... Um, yeah, yeah just things. so many things could have went a different direction. So in the grand scheme of things, I c- just consider myself lucky now. And yeah, it was a pretty okay birth. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. Just some gnats. Yeah, some some real gnats. <laughs> so how does how does this birth shape you and take me into where your birth work begins? Mm-hmm. So at that time, I don't really see everything that I just explained to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of frame it as like, yeah, that was the hardest thing in my life. There was a little few things like that did stand out, like the, the getting out of the bathtub thing. I was like, oh, that's kind of could have stayed in the bathtub. But overall, I thought that birth was like the pinnacle and like amazing home birth. You know, I got to be in the water. It was natural because I didn't have any medication. Um, yeah, I really had, you know, positive things to say about the experience. And it was at that point where I was considering birth work. Mm-hmm. And um, now I was a new mother, so I was navigating that as well. And the first year of my daughter's life, we continued to be very transient, <laughs> Um, so we, when she was three months old, we went back to Canada and planned to kind of start our life. That was going to be my, my husband's last year of playing hockey. So, um, he was going to transition into something new. Wasn't really sure what that was. Um, we were giving ourselves some time for him to figure that out. We were going to be living in Toronto. Um, yeah, just like exciting, setting up this new life. And then we got this call, um, from, this hockey team in Australia and they do have hockey in Australia, but it's not very popular. Um, the, they don't have a professional league, but they have a pretty good, like pretty good league where like people pay to go see the the players and whatnot. They called him. They were like, come please. Like we want, we want you to play here for the season and their season is switched. Right. So it would have just been starting in the summer because they're winter. Um, and so we have this three month old, we've just gotten back to Canada and we get this opportunity because we get like all expenses paid, like a beautiful apartment in downtown Melbourne. And we're like, yeah, we can't really pass that up. So 
we go to Australia for um, like four months. Yeah, it's fun, but I'm also like alone. Like, you know, in motherhood, I'm not near my closest friend. I'm not near my family. Um, So that was tricky. That was pretty tricky um, for sure. And I remember during, during that mothering year, though, I also remember so badly wanting like a wise woman or like some guidance in my life um because all of the opinions I was getting around you know my daughter's sleep and um how much I hold her and like just all this stuff was like not in alignment with me but I was still looking for some guidance and I didn't have that so that first year of mothering was kind of hard and then you know I found my groove and I realized okay I have to not pay attention to what everyone else is saying or doing and just kind of like go within. And that made mothering a lot easier for sure. And then, you know, eventually I I did find my community of women who are amazing. Um, So yeah, then after, well, my daughter's like, we we get home to Canada after Australia. My husband still, um, he decides to do like a, a boot camp for coding. So he's going to get into like computers and um, we're staying with his parents and um, which is comes with his own challenges with a baby. Um, and then anyway, he gets a job in Toronto. So then we get our own apartment there. And this is like the beginning of the next chapter. He gets that job in February of 2020. Aww. So a month later, we all know what happens. And um, dun, dun, dun. yeah, so this is and this is an apprenticeship, too. So this is a six month paid apprenticeship. So he's going to getting be getting like mentored um, in the office, like a really cool startup. Um, and then he gets sent to work at home and doesn't get the mentorship. We're in a one bedroom <laughs> apartment with a one year old. So he's on like Zoom meetings like there's nowhere for him to go. Um so we were like, okay, this isn't working. Um, we got to get out of here. We need more space. We need outdoor space. We didn't really have outdoor space. Parks were closing in Toronto. It was crazy. So we went back to live with his parents for a bit to like regroup. He was working from home. So it didn't matter that he wasn't, uh, we, we were in um, Niagara Falls uh, with his parents. So um, anyway, we're like trying to figure our life out, trying to figure out where we're going to live. and his internship ends they don't hire him on again so he's without a job um but like we're fine he's just kind of like looking maybe gonna go out on his own um and we decide we do not want to go back to Toronto um it's really expensive there uh let's look for something else but it's also quite expensive in our hometown of Niagara Falls as well uh where can we go so then we start looking and New Brunswick is one of the most affordable provinces in Canada. So we're like, let's just go there. Like, why not? So um, friends of ours had moved here just before us. So we would have have some friends there. So we bought a house here. Um, We didn't see the house before we bought it. (laughs) We just, uh, it was like sight unseen. Like our realtor FaceTimed us, took a video. We're like, yeah, that'll do. So uh, we bought this house that we're currently in. And we moved to New Brunswick and it was around this time after we got settled um, that I was starting to think of like, okay, I think I'd like to start, you know, working outside the home again. I was a yoga teacher prior to becoming a mom. So I was, you know, teaching a lot of yoga. I hadn't really gotten back into that. I was feeling a call for something different. And throughout that time, I was still kind of devouring like, birth stuff. I was reading birth books. I hadn't discovered the free birth society yet. Um, but I was just like eating it all up. Right. And thinking I was going to become a doula. So February of, uh, 2021, I signed up for a, a doula training with a big, um, you know, organization. And, um, I kid you not the night before the doula training starts. I found Free Birth Society the night before. <laughs> well, <bam. laughs> and I was like, so like, 
that's funny. I was like, you know, just looking at your Instagram posts and I hadn't even listened to a podcast at that point, but I found, cause I found yo, and then I found you. And then I found, you know, just all of your work. And I was like, Oh, this is amazing. And then I had the thought, I'm like, am I, is this, am I making like the wrong choice here the night before? And then I'm like, Oh, I'm already signed up. Like just, just do it. So this is still COVID era. So yeah, I do the doula training, um, realize it's not in alignment at all. So I don't continue to get certified. I just like stop and Mm -hmm. like, whatever. Um, So I just start devouring the podcast and then um, realize that like, I feel this call to bring in another baby. Mm. And um, I wasn't sure, we weren't sure if we were going to be having another baby, but I, I really felt this. I actually felt the like very male energy of this spirit coming through. And um, my husband was not on board. (laughs) Um, So again, we had to kind of work through that. And um, uh, he was then in agreement and we conceived uh, in the spring of uh, 2022. And then at around six weeks, that pregnancy released. Hmm. And um, yeah, I wasn't sad. It it wasn't like a sadness. It was just like, oh, okay. This is like, there was some disappointment for sure. But it was, I didn't sit in that for too long. And I was like, okay, let's try again. <laughs> like, no big deal. I know nothing's wrong. Like, it's just a little trial run. Um, and then I got pregnant the very next ovulation. So literally two weeks after I had uh, released that pregnancy, I got pregnant again. Um, and immediately uh, knew, you know, this was going to be way different. Um, by that point, I had... I had attended birth, right? So I had been attending births um, outside of the system in New Brunswick. Um, The women were asking for it. uh, So it was a true call from my community. And um, I didn't do the doula thing. So I was like, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. And I had attended a few births by that point, uh, by the time I had gotten pregnant myself. And so free birth, it was definitely, you know, that's how it was going to So, excuse me. So, I mean, I think for a lot of women, they can't comprehend how a woman goes from thinking she'll be a doula, saying no to that, and then somehow finding women to attend outside the system. Is there anything to say about like that bridge? Because like, yeah, what, what did you do? How did you put yourself out there? How did those women find you? How was it just through your social network? Yeah, it was definitely through my social network. I had found, um, I had been in contact through a homeschooling uh, group, um, a woman who used to attend births here outside of the system who was no longer. Mm. Um, And then when she found out that I was on the like doula path, but was like, "Mm, it's not really working. She was like, oh, okay, I'll keep you in mind if I hear of anyone um, and I'll send them your way. And I'm like, okay. So then a woman contacted me. Nice. It was my first birth. And I was like, um, sure. Like, yeah, we can do this. I was a little hesitant. She's like, she's like, oh no, I want you at my birth. I can tell. I'm Mm. like, she's like, I want you. And I was like, okay, let's do it. And it went amazing. That was my first birth. It went so, so well. And, uh, they, they just kept coming. Right. they just do like it's word of mouth only mm-hmm. like by that point there was no advertising or anything so yeah i was and i i was attending birth throughout this pregnancy as well um i knew it was going to be a wild pregnancy for sure so i had also so got pregnant in august in october i signed up for rbk school um so i did the school um in the winter leading into the spring and um we finished in april i was you know going to be expecting around middle to end of may so i had a little time there to um just chill after the school the school was amazing such a great thing to do while you're pregnant too (laughs) and there was so many of us pregnant right Mm -hmm. around the same time there was like 
baby one week, another baby, another baby, another baby. It was so cool. So cool. So, uh, yeah, my pregnancy was like super easy breezy. Like I was just in full trust. My husband was super on board. I, he knew so much about birth, but, and like birth outside the system, free birth by that point. Cause I was just like, you know, telling him stuff all the time. He was like, yeah, of course, let's go. Um, and there was only one moment of that pregnancy. I was about 36 weeks and I was like, I had been palpating myself and I had been using the fetoscope, um, kind of unsuccessfully. Like I got it a couple times. <laughs> Most times I was listening to the placenta and I knew I was, <laughs> and I was like, okay. Um, so around 36 weeks, I was like, is this baby breach? <laughs> and it's just, there was no reason for me to actually think that it was just like, I couldn't quite figure out what was of course. who doesn't play with those ideas. Yeah. So that was yeah. the only time. And I was like, uh, but what if the baby, like, I was like for a second entertaining, like an ultrasound, but I was like, no, like, I'm not going to do that. And then I thought, okay, what, if the outcome is that the baby is breech, what changes about my decisions and nothing nothing would change. So then I decided I don't need that. And then, um, yeah, I got over that pretty quickly. I guess the argument for it would be, even though it's nonsensical because babies could flip back, but it would give you a sense of control in your ability to prepare for that particular presentation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But like, it still doesn't make any sense because a 36 week presentation is literally meaningless to what's going to happen five weeks later. Yeah. Yeah. I had decided that it actually may be better if it was a surprise though. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a good point. Right. (laughs) I mean, ultrasound is all about the illusion of control. Yeah. And so to opt out of that or to not opt into it, you know, is to contend it, it, it means to grapple with our own desire for control and to face the truth, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Which is that we don't have it. Yeah. 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 So then comes, um, I'm, a, I'm around, yeah, 39 weeks and some days. And um, I uh, woke up early, like really early one morning and I sneak out of the bedroom where my daughter and my husband are sleeping and I'm like just chilling on the couch I'm like mm, what was that it was like the faintest little something and I'm like was that what I think it is and at, at this point I hadn't felt anything didn't get any like practice sensations nothing beforehand so it was my very first sign of anything and then sure enough throughout that day they just kept building and they were still very light. Uh, we went to my friend's house. We took a little walk on the beach with the kids. Um, I had come home like in the afternoon. It was kind of like getting dinner ready, playing with my daughter, um, just kind of feeling them, but they were gradually building for sure. And then after dinner, my daughter goes to bed. Me and my husband are sitting on the couch and I'm like, yeah, I think, I think like something's happening. And it's funny because it was the same trajectory as my daughter's like same timeline. And, um, he's like, okay, like, I'm going to get a few things like sorted. He's like, how are you feeling? And I'll never forget when he asked this question. Cause I'm like, well, I feel excited, but I also feel like I'm about to do ayahuasca or DMT or something. Yeah. It's that anticipation. And I told him like, I didn't have this with Irie with her, you know, with early labor with her. Cause I didn't know what to expect. And I didn't have this the first time I did mushrooms because I didn't know what to expect. But like every subsequent time, it's like, you know, it's coming. So there's this like build up, right? And I'm like, I feel like I'm about to go on a big journey. Um, so then things progress throughout the night. Um, and around 10 o'clock is the point where I'm like, can't be doing other things and need to go inward and focus on my breath. And I sent my husband to bed. To hopefully he could get some sleep. Um, and then I ended up waking him up not too long after he started a fire. The evenings were still getting like a little chilly at this point. So he got a fire going and for the next, um, like hours, like, I don't know, maybe like four hours, 
I was in it. Like I was fully in it. Like this birth humbled me. This birth was way more intense than my first, Mm -hmm. um, which I was not expecting at all. Um, But I was also very aware that birth is wild. It it is spontaneous. It's unpredictable in a sense, but also very straightforward and simple, um, as Yolanda likes to say. Um, But yeah, so this birth was wild. I was I was wild. Um, I was very loud. My daughter had woken up, so she joined us. Um, I was just flopping around all over the floor. The intensity that I was feeling in my pelvis was insane. I was like opening, like just, it was very painful. I had had a very painful birth. Um, There's no way around that, (laughs) I guess, for me. Um, And I was in the bath for a bit and my waters were intact still. And I was begging for them to break. Cause I was like, I know I'll get relief if my waters break. And, um, sure enough, I was sitting on the toilet and finally they burst open, which I didn't have that experience with my first birth. So that was interesting. And then about, I went back into the living room and then I got on like a one knee on the ground, one leg out to the side And, um, I started pushing and I was actively pushing because I was like, I want him to come. I didn't know. Are you, are you doing that? (laughs) I was doing it. I was doing it. Um, no annoying questions though, this time. No. Oh my gosh. My husband was like amazing. He's the best birth keeper ever. Like not giving in to my, like, Oh, poor me at all. Just being so supportive. Um, so attentive, um, such a great space holder. He was amazing. Um, and we're trying to film a lot of this too. My husband makes uh, videos for a living and for a hobby. So we're trying to like put together a video. So he's got like cameras going, um, but he's like turning them off and on because like not running for eight hours. So, um, I'm like, he's coming and the camera's not on (laughs) the camera's not on. We didn't know this. (laughs) We didn't know this at the time. So, um, so anyway, he, Oh, his head was like really close. I'm like pulling on some hair, um, and wondering like, what is that? Is that hair? Ask my husband if he can see, can't see anything. Um, he's bored. He's yeah. He comes like his head comes and, um, I can feel myself kind of tearing a little bit. So I'm like, okay, Jess, back off of it. Like hang tight, take a breath. And then he just shoots right out. I pull him up onto my chest. And then I realize his cord is wrapped around the back of his neck, like just draped. So I pull it off, um, have him on my chest and I'm just like bawling. So happy to see him. Um, my husband's calling my daughter who's now in, in the other room to come. She had fallen asleep. So then he goes and grabs her before he goes and grabs her. I look between um, his legs and I'm like, it's a boy. Just start crying. And my husband's like, it's a boy. Mm-hmm. And my, uh, my daughter comes. So she's like half asleep. and like, there's now a baby here. Um, yeah. So amazing. So amazing. Um I get like as comfortable as I can on the floor and just chill there for a bit. And then um, making note of the time kind of, because uh, just wanted to be aware of the time uh, for his birth, but then also just for the placenta. And about half an hour later, um, I my husband puts a bowl under and placenta just plops right out. Oh, it was really easy. I was really grateful for that, that it just came right out. Um, we call my very best friend who I had actually planned on calling to come to the birth, but that didn't happen. There was just no time where I wanted to invite another. I feel you. We we have very similar birth stories. We do. And it's funny because I listened to your story. Your birth story came out like two or three days after my son was born. Oh, how funny. On a podcast. And I'm like in my postpartum bed listening to your story. And I'm like, whoa it's the same it sounds super similar yeah so um so yeah my friend comes after the placenta we delivered the placenta I call her and she comes and just takes such good care of us she's like giving me a little sponge bath and like Mm. just being so yeah she's amazing and yeah that was that was it and then we were in our little our little bubble of love and it was beautiful and it was perfect and it was 
definitely how it was supposed to be, you know, and it was, it was such a nice family birth. Mm-hmm. Simple and sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Birthing without gnats, just as free birth. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I love mm-hmm. it. I love it. So many women have, you know, equated ayahuasca to free birth. Oh man, you know? it is. It's have you not? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Beautiful. Anything else you want to say before we wrap? Um, yeah, I guess I can say that I, um, so my son is four months old now, so I'm mm-hmm. not currently attending births, um, but I am starting to get back into the headspace of, of work and stuff. So I'm going to be opening up some coaching spaces for, for women, um, which you can find on my website. So, yeah. Yeah. Say your website. Oh yeah. So it's birthwisdomwithin.com and on Instagram, it's birthwisdomwithin. Perfect. Love it. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. So nice to hear. Thanks, Emily. I hope you enjoyed the show today. You can support this podcast by donating to it on freebirthsociety.com and leaving an awesome review on whatever platform you listen on. The more reviews, the more visibility the show gets, so let's spread the word of sovereign birth. We've always got a lot going on at Free Birth Society, and you can find out about all of it at freebirthsociety.com, at freebirthsociety on Instagram, and opt in to my newsletter below in the show notes. We offer courses on free birth, authentic midwifery, and the blood mysteries, as well as one-on-one coaching, in-person retreats, and of course, our annual women's festival. Our exclusive vetted private membership is definitely something to check out if you're looking for a community of wise sisters. Together we rise. We must speak our stories, claim our lives, and support one another. This is the living revolution, and I am so grateful to be in it with all of you. I'll leave you with our epic Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honored, eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralyzing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts, keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your We choose love, everything with intention, death, ascension, I will fly and